This is Jess O'Lantern, and you are listening to Without Your Head. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by Kay Adelaide. Hello, I'm Kay. <laughs> and Mariel Sharp. Hi. Hello. Directors of Monster Dyke, which is uh, premiering soon on Fant- at Fantasia Fest. That's right. Yeah, we're excited for it. <laughs> yeah, this Monday at 9 and then Wednesday at 9 a.m., which is... Yeah. A, a, Perfect Interesting time. time slot. Get up early in the morning, have breakfast, and watch uh, Monster Dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, what inspired the story? You know, it's kind of a, a weird progeny, this one. We were going for, like, late-night bike rides down next to this big river, the St. Lawrence River here in Quebec. We were just going for these long bike rides, and we just kept biking further and further and just the idea of an erotic monster movie came into our heads. And we were just like, can we do it? We can do it. We should just do it. Like it just, it just happened. It was like, we're very isolated, like deep pandemic times, just like biking around in the middle of the night. And like, yeah, kind of thinking we should make a film and wondering what it would be about. And it just kind of popped in there as one of those ideas. And we just kept talking about it. And then we decided to actually make it happen. <laughs> right. So uh, was it was Andromeda already made or was it made specifically for the movie? She was custom designed for the, the movie. That was like a huge part of the process of pre-production was get, bringing her into existence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you come about like uh, with the look of it for Andromeda? 
So Katie took the lead on the design because she has a background in special effects and uh, she was kind of teaching me and our other our other team member like the whole process and she also took the lead on the design. So I'll let her share that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we wanted to go for something uh, that looks like sort of an underwater creature because we, we wanted to involve tentacles and thought like a kind of a mermaid vibe was fun. Uh, so she has the big sort of mermaid style tail. Um, but yeah, we, we wanted to get a bit wackier with it than a classic mermaid for sure. Um, so like, yeah, the many tentacles coming from the arms. And then um, we wanted to give her kind of a, a bit of a glamour queen look. So a bit of her like face and head is inspired by sort of like a, a 20s beauty look. Like she um, she has this texture over the top of her head that kind of looks like uh, a flapper haircut almost if you imagine it as hair and her lips are kind of a little small in this way that's like they used to draw the lips on um and so i think that was a big inspo was trying to make her kind of otherworldly alien but also 1920 silver screen starlet yeah let's keep it keep it sexy but also monstery sea creature alien okay <laughs> all right well i think you succeeded thanks <laughs> who was the actual sculptor um it was like again i was leading it and then it was marielle and our our teammates uh stephanie burnett burbano who is also the production designer and puppeteer um we kind of all had our hands on the sculpture it's kind of a collaborative process based off the design i mocked up like mm -hmm. where is andromeda now literally in a closet behind us <laughs> uh, we moved studios since then and uh I couldn't, I couldn't bear to, uh, to get rid of her. So now she's taking up an enormous amount of prime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Marielle's trying to dig her out right now. I know podcasting is an audio medium, but <laughs> she's well, we'll, we'll put the video up too, if it's cool. Okay. Well, I'll her okay. She's digging her out. <laughs> keep talking. Yeah. Would you ever, uh, uh, revisit Andromeda? I mean, it's possible depending on the success. Yeah. It's just starting its festival run, so we'll see where it goes. There could be a sequel. I feel like the the story between her and the sculptor's character is kind of just getting started at the end of the film, so who knows where their love affair will, will go. Oh, here she comes. Yeah, we didn't tell you that in addition to the directors, you're going to get both stars of the film. <laughs> a little worse for wear. Um, compared to... Oh, her eyes held up. Oh, she lost... Okay, well, it's around here, the eye. But, <laughs> but yeah, but if you see her, I look, she's very beautiful. I agree, yes. I'm very uh, happy that she's made an appearance here. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? I'm always interested in horror creators, um, what scares horror creators. So do you guys have any fears or phobias you feel comfortable sharing? Uh, that's a great question. Um, definitely <laughs> fears and phobias. Where to start? I've got plenty of anxieties, and I think horror is something that helps me with that. Um, but I'm trying to think what's sort of a, a easy to explain one. <laughs> um, For me, it's like anything like medical, like mm -hmm. hospitals, doctors, like anything like that not not my thing <laughs> yeah yeah um oh gosh what came up recently that 
Okay, this is really specific, but I guess because we're talking about horror movies, like because I have a background in special effects, I feel like I look at a lot of gore very academically and don't really get like don't go <gasps> when something gore happens i go oh i wonder if that's silicone or latex like i just like yeah kind of but then for some reason people getting um stabbed in the back while they're lying on the ground really bothers me i don't know why i've only seen it in a handful of movies but that i don't know maybe a past life is how that ended for me i don't know but <laughs> it's like somehow it just gets to me I don't know. um but i wouldn't say it's a phobia but that's yeah, that would be a weird phobia of a fear uh, of laying down and being stabbed in the back. Scares me. Yeah, it scares me for some reason more than I guess just the vulnerability of it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. That that was a very specific answer, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, have you watched the uh, the movie with other people yet? A few people, not a lot, really. Like a couple close friends. Yeah, some close friends. Um, I'm always like covering my face, embarrassed because I've never done this exact type of acting before um that's on the more erotic side um, <laughs> i'm a little shy about it but but so far the reaction has been really great like we mm-hmm. can't wait for the fantasia premiere so that we can get more more impressions because this really is like our pandemic project that we just made like in the dark of night in our studio like in montreal winter pandemic so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to to get to see how people react to it and like put it out in the world mm-hmm, yeah so far we get a lot of laughs which yeah is really which is great. intended yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. right um, you said, you know, you're uh, see, watching the scene, you know, you're kind of hiding your eyes. But what was it like filming that? It was, it was pretty good. I mean, we had such a tiny crew of people we really cared about. Like, literally, it was four people in the including room, us. including us. It was us two. Um, Stephanie Rubeno, we mentioned, who was doing, like, all the puppeteering and the art direction, helping with the special effects, which I was, like, also kind of doing while acting. And then um, Naomi Silver Vizina, she did like all the camera and lighting and grip, like, which was such an effort. And so when there's that few people around, you're pretty comfortable with them. Like it felt pretty comfortable and like pretty good. It was maybe rushed, if anything, just because we were trying to shoot it all in one night, which ended up being a really long night. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the, sa- the sound effects really add a lot to it. Yeah, it was all shot MOS, so we had to find all that at the end because we were using the old crank-up Bolexes that you can't do sync sound with. So we had to um, locate or ADR everything in afterwards. And so that was kind of fun to figure out how to make those sounds. And I was, I was wondering, where do you do Google those sounds? Or do you actually make them yourselves and then record uh, them? Sounds, which is appropriate because... Wet mud was a good one. Yeah. Wet mud we used a lot. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Welching, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of them we made, like Annie is like alien. We call her Annie Andromeda's nickname is Annie. Yeah. <laughs> um, her like alien pleasure coup is just me uh, with like, a <laughs> and then we like sped it up and layered it to make it sound more. Alien. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes me. I loved it anyway. Both Tristan and I really liked it. We talked uh, before we went live here, and I think that makes me appreciate it even more. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tristan, you have another question? Yeah. Um, before we went live, you guys mentioned that you're um, in rehearsals for something else. So, can you tease us um, with your next project? Yeah, sure. So, 
I was rehearsing today for a short film. I'm uh, writing and directing. It's uh, we're shooting in like one and a half weeks, and it's a short gothic horror film called Where the Witch Lives, and it's about a really messed up family. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so that's what we're working on. Kay's on board as well. She's like doing um, special effects and and uh, also some art direction as well, mm -hmm. and just being my my person for, <laughs> for everything. <laughs> and I'm also in development on a feature called Transvengeance that is essentially a revenge kill list movie where the protagonist is a trans woman who was brought to the brink of death by so many people doing her wrong uh and she was declared legally dead but secretly has come back from the dead and is now reaping revenge on all the people who led to her downfall and each of these people kind of represents a different facet of society that systematically holds down trans people so it's it's a horror comedy but it's got like the message behind it but the the splatter and the laughter is like the the biggest part of it i think like <laughs> That's really interesting. I was telling Trista beforehand too, like I'm really interested in watching uh, your other uh, projects. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Uh, I saw Don't Text Back won uh, Best Canadian Short last year at uh, Plantation. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah, we were really happy about that. Yeah, that was another one that we did with a pretty small crew. Less small because it wasn't the pandemic yet, so we could still have like a bigger crew easily, but um still pretty micro budget mm -hmm. just like labor of love but then it was able to have a really great like uh, reception and a festival tour and everything which was really awesome did you get to go uh to any festivals for that one before they be they were uh virtual That's virtual but it was yeah. great honestly yeah. I, like, I like the virtual festivals to be honest yeah there's been some really good ones when they set it up right it's still a really fun experience for sure and yeah. getting to yeah. watch films and yeah i mean one day we'll travel again yes. <laughs> we'll yeah that's how i feel but yeah i've decided not to travel the rest of the year yeah i was gonna go somewhere beside not to but we do want we do you know our short festival for without your head and it, it's fun it's everyone you know the community gets together and watches movies together which was the thing i missed about the festivals watching it with other people you know and interacting and um you know it's different than everyone get together but you still are in a way in a way some of it's better in a way because um, you can, tr you people from other parts of like, the world can watch it, you know, it's not just one location. That's yeah. exactly it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's got a lot of reach. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, don't text back available anywhere uh, online? Not quite yet, but yeah. uh, we will keep you posted yeah. because we have something cooking for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's still wrapping up its festival run, but it will be uh, available yeah. at any time <laughs> on a place. <laughs> 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 uh, both Tristan and I were happy to, to see that you both worked on uh, Bleed With Me because uh, we were big fans and we had uh, the director and the cast on last year. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah, so glad you liked it. Yeah, I was the producer on that and Kay was the uh, special effects and uh, caterer. Yes, she I also. the best girlfriend in the world. <laughs> <laughs> <and she's laughs> Yeah, so I was mixing a big pot of fake blood with one hand and a pot of soup. I'm glad you didn't mix those up. Or I guess it depends. You don't want to feed people the fake blood, but maybe you can spray them down with like stew or something. It would still yeah. look <laughs> I mean, all the fake blood that I made for that was edible because there was a lot of it going in people's mouths and bodies and everywhere. So I had to, so it wouldn't have been such a big deal, but I don't think people would have had enough energy if they only ate corn syrup for dinner. I don't think that would have been a sugar crap. 
That's a, that's a good lesson to be learned, I think. But, uh, <laughs> uh, how did that come about working on, on Bleed With Me, you know, producing it and working on special effects? So, yeah, we, well, we went to film school with the director, Amelia. Oh, nice. I also produced her short film, Undress Me, in 2017. And Kay was also special effects. That was a body horror film, all practical effects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she wanted to do a feature and, uh, you know, we had some traction from the short. And so we were able to apply to uh, Telefilm for the micro budget feature and we got it. So it was, yeah, kind of thrown right into it. My first feature as producer. And yeah, it was a real adventure. Like I'm sure they told you about it shooting Quebec winter. Like yeah, it was very cold. Yeah, there's snow. Mm-hmm. The well froze. There's no water. The <laughs> power went out. We got snowed in. Like all the things happened. <laughs> but I feel like it was like we had such a wonderful team and like such a great great crew. And people really came together and it was still a lot of fun, even though it was kind of like against all odds. <laughs> uh-huh. I assume that's a good bonding experience too with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The first feature and we still have like a, a group chat with like the, the cabin of people we were staying with. Cause it was like, we rented a few cabins. And so like ours was like chalet 95 and we still have like a chalet 95 group chat. So we, bonded so much like all sharing this one cabin together <laughs> as roommates for the month we were shooting like yeah, yeah. connection has been mm-hmm. with us yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, why um why did you shoot um monster dyke in 16 millimeter in black and white <laughs> yeah that's that's one that we've been kind of questioning ourselves a little bit because it was, we just decided yeah like a good idea (laughs) yeah i mean one reason is that i I had uh several hundred feet of black and white film sitting in the freezer that needed to be used but like we also had access to video cameras you know there's other ways we could have done it but for some reason we're like this is the right artistic choice (laughs) i don't know exactly i think we just wanted to challenge ourselves as the Mm -hmm. real answer because we were like we can only be us plus maybe one or two other people let's do something super like lo-fi back to the basics and like because we're used to working on bigger shoots now that have you know all the accessories and everything but we we kind of wanted to do something that was really just like led by the process mm-hmm. not worrying so much about like oh is this going to have good production value or like where what market will we go to is really just like let's just make something and like film is fun <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah just that, that i think part of it was that we're like we have to keep it concise we don't want to spend like months trying to shoot this we can't like get people together that much right now so you know, you roll the film and hope for the best. There's no like, wait, check the playback. Oh no, it was bad. Do 10 more takes. Like, yeah. It's like we, the film is four minutes. We probably shot like seven or eight minutes of footage total. Yeah. We had to use almost everything. We shot. Yeah. Right. So if there's a director's cut, it'll be seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At most. Yeah. yeah. A couple of things there. Um, did you have the design already done for Andromeda? I was just wondering, because as a class, you said about the classic look, I, I was wondering if that influenced the idea to, to do it in 16 millimeter or vice versa. I think we decided to do it 16 millimeter before we decided the character's design. And then I think that that probably did help inform the design of her. Like there was a lot of talking, like at one point we were saying, 
we were thinking about not making her really sexy at all. It was maybe going to be like a strange abstract, like massive, like more Cronenberg-esque mass of like tentacles and lumps and eyeballs and teeth, you know, like that it could just be, but we decided to instead go a bit more, more classic as we developed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah There's something that lent itself well, like about the kind of silver screen vibe when we were shooting black and white for mm-hmm. sure. And I was also wondering, using uh, older technology, I guess, does that um, does that help you uh, when you go back to using like modern technology? Because it doesn't give you more of a, you know, an idea of like uh, what to shoot. Yeah, I think it, it, it forces you to plan so much more. You need a really concise shot list. You can't be like, we'll show up and just get coverage from every angle and figure it out in post. It's like, no, you need to know what you're shooting because we will run out of feet of film and then there'll be nothing we can do. So like figure it out. Like, yeah. Being yeah. really like yeah, efficient with the shot list and then, and yeah, like technically too, again, it's kind of like as a director, like I, I, I consider, consider myself relatively technical, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know. So when I see like all the cameras with everything and like the histogram and this and that, I kind of like lose a sense of feeling like I kind of can wrap my head around everything. But when you strip it back to the basics, it really does to create the look. We're look, we're looking at what is the aspect ratio? What lens are we on? You know, what, uh, what depth of field are we shooting? And then it kind of helps you get back into that mode. Yeah. What are the core fundamentals of photography? Not what LUT are we using? You know, like it's like, what's the core of light and motion and rhythm that comes, that cinema comes from, as opposed to getting caught up in 4k, 8k, whatever, you know, trying to I, I do get game. overwhelmed by that mm-hmm. stuff sometimes. So it's like kind of nice to go back. Mm-hmm. back to yeah. Basics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trista, you have another question? I really liked the music in the film. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, that's um, the work of a good friend of ours who's a Montreal musician named Q Vero, and they um, are were so generous in how they helped us out with that and are such a brilliant musician. Like, I can't believe how quick that came together and how it was, like, exactly what we were looking for. We had some sort of, like, temp tracks in of some, like, 60s garage rock and stuff. And we just handed it over to them and in like one weekend they sent us back like a demo that was like pretty solid and we had like two tiny notes about like timing based on how we because we hadn't even picture locked by the time we gave her the um the, the the thing to start scoring so then we're like okay we're thinking we're gonna picture lock in this direction so please make it this long she did it came back and it was it's it gorgeous yeah, yeah. It was, mm-hmm. I think it was fun for, for them also because they like, uh, um, we're kind of like, okay, how explicit do you want me to go with the lyrics for the mm-hmm. ending track? And we were like, go all out. And then we're <laughs> like, will do. Yeah. And then super delivered. Uh-huh. And I like, as soon as I heard the song, it was just stuck in my head all the time. And I was like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so it, uh, it premieres uh, Monday. That's right. Yeah. At nine fifteen. Uh, do you know what it plays? Uh, oh, it plays with uh, giving birth to a butterfly, which mm-hmm. seems like a pretty cool film. We're definitely going to mm-hmm. look forward to that. It's also shot on sixteen, and I think it's got a surreal kind of vibe to it. We haven't had an opportunity oh, to. See it. We're definitely going to watch it. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, when you uh, went to film school, did you always plan to pursue uh, horror movies? 
Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, we're both hard, diehard fans. It's not just a phase. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we're not, we won't hang up on you. We're, we're... Yeah. I think in school, I felt a bit more pressure to get into like drama. <laughs> like a lot of the films that are produced from the film school uh, at Concordia, where we went, are very much like in the dr- drama genre um, and good films too, but like they never really grabbed me. I felt a bit of pressure. Like I did a short film, like when I first graduated, that was sort of like, I don't know, this, this more dramatic story. And like, in the end, it didn't, it, I didn't want to stay in the genre. I was like, I just want to do horror, yeah. <laughs> yeah. bit of comedy. Yeah, it's more into comedy, actually. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like, I, I'll try to write things that are totally serious, but I always end up throwing in a million jokes, even by accident. Sometimes, <laughs> like, it just happens. So, horror comedy is very my, my jam. Um, more than like straight terror horror, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite horror comedies? I mean, my favorite movie of all time is Evil Dead Two. I'll just never get over it. Um, for sure. Um. A more recent one I saw that I really loved was, um, oh no, I'm forgetting the name. Um, yep, completely forget the name. <laughs> <laughs> Why was the summer camp for a different one? Oh, that was good. No, I'm thinking about um, she's stuck at home and <laughs> oh, for as soon as you're on the side. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's my favorite it's a New Zealand film. That's a horror comedy, and this woman thinks there's a ghost in her house and it's okay i'm sorry so spoiler yeah (laughs) no but then that that, oh damn it (laughs) yeah mm -hmm. yeah it will (laughs) uh tristan you have a question how do you think your skill sets complement each other when you're collaborating i think they complement each other really well for one thing like i I, like so it's nice so you have like a good chemistry as partners and then that definitely carries into the creative as well Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah, i think like a lot of the things i'm stronger at you're weaker at and vice versa a lot of things i'm weaker at you have strengths in. so um i mean obviously for example the special effects is like my background but then producing and logistics and all these things are way more your side of it and also technical directing you have like better knowledge and experience of whereas i think i have a lot of experience of like working with actors who have a background in theater so like sometimes i uh well and i have experience acting which i think gives some insight into that side of directing also um yeah, yeah you're very good with like blocking and action and staging mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm more into like directing like the dialogue or like rewriting little bits of dialogue here and there Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then I'm all about logistics and <laughs> and K's like into the effects, so it works really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, like our astrological signs are really complementary. Like I'm an Aries, so I'm all about starting the project and like getting it kicked off. And Kay's a Libra, so she's really good at balance and finishing stuff. Yeah, no, it's true because <laughs> you're like the pre-production star. We're both great at production, and then I'm the post-production yeah, star. Yeah, by post-production, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm tired. I want to do a new project. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Kay's like, No, we must finish. This. I'm like why? <laughs> So, uh, Mario, what are some of your favorite horror movies? They don't have to be horror comedies, but what are your favorites? Oh, I have so many. I, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, like, the gothic horror uh, genre. Like, I think 
one of my favorite films is The Innocence from the 60s. Uh, it was a screenplay by Truman Capote and Starlight Stone Deborah Kerr. It's probably the only film that's ever really truly scared me deep down with these creepy possessed children and it's shot in black and white. It's just like a terrifying, terrifying film. Um, so I love that movie. And uh, what else do I love? I like 70s horror a lot. I think otherwise, uh, Carrie is a classic. I love that over the top um you know Brian De Palma is like a really problematic person I think and a problematic man but he's probably one of the only guys like that where I'm like oh damn it I still like the movie (laughs) (laughs) I really like Carrie a lot it is a very good movie it's just a solid movie it's like Sissy Spacek is so good and the mom and when the knives fly at her and everything I'm like (laughs) oh my god this is everything to me yeah, I, I just, don't know if the. I don't. What are some of your favorite horror movies besides the horror comedies? Um, actually, while you were talking about that, I looked up because it was driving me insane. <laughs> I was thinking it was called it's called Housebound. It's from New Zealand and it's hilarious and good horror also. Um, other favorite horror movies. Wow. Um, again, on the spot, I'll forget everything I've ever liked. <laughs> I, I love like pretty much all the films of David Cronenberg. I think uh, like. Largely, like partially for the practical effects, but also for the filmmaking point of view. Like, I absolutely love Videodrome just for the aesthetic and everything. But that, fan too. I used to rent it a lot as a kid at the VHS. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Brood. I the Brood love is amazing. The brood. Yeah. Great movie. Um, and like, but again, I don't know if Cronenberg as a filmmaker I also love because uh, like Crash is definitely one of my favorite movies, but it's not really a horror. It's definitely genre in a certain way, but. Um, I think it's brilliant, um, for sure. Yeah. But also like most things by John Carpenter are all my favorites. The thing, of course, like, um, I mean, you can tell I'm into slimy effects, so <laughs> it's like, it's going to be an obvious one, but yeah. yeah. But, uh, the thing comes up a lot lately and I, I agree. And I, I always think it's the best of, you know, both worlds. It's got the slimy monsters, but then it's also, you know, very well acted and made. Yeah, it's a yeah. great movie. Mm-hmm. And cold. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can relate to up in Canada. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? Can you guys talk a little bit more, more about True Sweetheart films and uh, what your mission is or what you want to specialize in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, True Sweetheart Films is a production banner that I started um, mainly because I found myself just producing a lot of films that were uh, in the genre space and helmed by women and queer folks. So I decided to kind of pull it all together and really make a mission out of it because I'm like, I really do see myself working like this is sort of my passion in life I think is like not only working on our own films but also finding other interesting stories to bring to life and I really think that genre it's what interests me it also is like kind of the best way to explore interesting topics and issues in a really accessible way and I think yeah like underrepresented creators um like have a lot to say in that space so that's kind of my my mandate is to keep making films by us or by other people mm-hmm. who are who are making an interesting project and who have an interesting voice uh, how do you find those people like uh, through festivals or 
Yeah, I mean, well, it's pretty organic. Um, you know, I think once we start working on stuff and, you know, I'm starting to be known a little bit as a producer, which is really wonderful. And, you know, people will reach out to me with ideas or stuff they need help with. And um, sometimes it's like, okay, let's go. Let's hit the grants right now. We're going to start applying. Uh, you know, in Canada, a lot of films are, are funded through the grant system, especially in Quebec. So I've been able to to built up a bit of experience in that. And uh, and so sometimes I'll be like that. And sometimes I'll be more like advising and trying to guide the project through development. Um, basically doing whatever I can to help. <laughs> and sometimes it'll be that someone who's like in our film circles that's maybe, um, you know, been working a lot in a different department will be like, I want to start directing. And you guys have convinced me horror film is the way to go. I have a horror concept. I want you to help me make. And we're like, yes, we converted another one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And like some people will even ask me like, Oh, can you produce my film? And I'm like, only if it's like somewhat genre. And I'm like, use, I'm like, I'll, but I, and then I'll help anyone with their application, like anytime, but for something I really want to get into and sink my teeth into, I'm like, if you're ready to write a horror film, then yes, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> So uh, you liked the uh, K. You liked um, slimy horror movies, and then you do effects. Were you making stuff as a, as a kid? You know, well, uh, yeah. I, I I think the first time I ever made fake blood, I was like three years old, and I didn't know that wasn't normal. Like when I film <laughs> school, I thought everyone was like a practical special effects artist. I assumed that like to make films, you have to be capable of doing that stuff. <laughs> I didn't realize that there's people out there who are passionate about films, but only knew about cameras or only knew about anything else like so yeah that kind of but that surprised me and i think it's because i as a small child was afraid of special effects in horror movies and couldn't handle the lack of understanding how the impossible could be possible so i had to start learning right away and same with like i got into to magic a lot i think there's a lot of crossover there with magicians and mm -hmm. practical, practical effects artists it's similar techniques and i've certainly um there's been a lot of crossover in like my understanding of both those things and I do occasionally still perform as a magician and that gets informed by my special effects knowledge and vice versa using techniques from both schools. And yeah. Interesting. Uh, did you do anything cool at Halloween time? Any kind of makeup? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we both did some fun stuff. I did like, uh, I wanted to do something where um, for the pandemic Halloween, something that I could look normal and glamorous with a mask on and then take it off and be creepy as fuck. So I, like, <laughs> uh, I did like a big, sort of like a riff on the, um, fright night, um, giant mouth. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I did kind of a riff on that and, uh, and did that for Halloween this last year, but then had like, when I covered it with a mask, it was kind of like this cutesy princess look, but then when that comes off, it's, uh, not so cute. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. And, uh, I did like, I just made a really elaborate mermaid costume for fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm scary, but I like, I don't know. I like, uh, you know, made a wig and a whole bodysuit and like put little flowers in it. Like it was the pandemic too. Right. So we just spent this time in our studio and on Halloween, like we couldn't go out anywhere. So we just like took photos and like filmed videos in our <laughs> studio. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to show you this here, but it's like, let's see if I can get it to focus, but. Uh, but yeah it's like princess and then the oh you really it's not focusing at all but yeah, it's like a creepy a creepy face with big scary teeth yes <laughs> to give you a sense unfortunately it's not focusing but 
<laughs> it looks cool from what we can see. Yeah. It looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, can people follow you? Uh, do you have that like on social media anywhere? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram at k k a y e dot every day. And I'm true sweetheart, all one word, underscore. And uh, that's me on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, always down for for people to check our workout and connect, especially with horror fans and uh, and other filmmakers. And yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm probably who's listening right now, I think. Okay. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> so uh, Monster Dyke, which is a hell of a name. Gets your attention right away, and it li- uh, really, I, lo- I loved it, and I know Trista really liked it too. And uh, it's like a, it's basically everything you said. It's both funny. It's kind of gross. It's also uh, sweet in its own way, and, and <laughs> sexy in its own way. Yeah, it totally works. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, Monday nine fifteen Fantasia Fest, and then Wednesday at nine a.m. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's very cool, and uh, this has been great. It's been really fun to talk with both of you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's so nice. Thanks for all your questions. Yeah. Lovely talking with you. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And we can't wait to see what you do next. I agree 100%. Yeah. And it'd be cool uh, when future things come out. Maybe we could do this again. Absolutely. We'll Absolutely. stay in touch. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Very good. Thank you. Bye. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. Sitting here on a lie. The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming!